The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Forty ers fans are used to analysts picking against their team. That wasn't the case this week. You look at NFL Network's panel, nine of the ten analysts picking the 49ers. People are saying they should dominate the Rams. Me, Sunil, and Marco in this fun roundtable are going to discuss the week two matchup for the 49ers, as well as some interesting storylines around the NFL and around the 49ers that came up recently, all after this. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the program. And you knew that with game day coming up, you had to see these three faces again. I'm joined. I'm your host, Rohan Chakravarti, here, joined by So Real Sunil, as well as Marco. How y'all doing, man? I'm doing fantastic. I do want to shout out, even though I know me and Rohan might look Hispanic, we are not. And we want to shout out our boy, boy Marco and all the Latinos and Hispanics all around supporting the 49ers. Happy. Hispanic Heritage Month. Absolutely. Yes, Happy, Happy Hispanic Happy. Heritage Month. Uh, it was. I don't know if y'all saw, but the 49ers put out a cool-ass video. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, but shout-out to you guys, man. Super damn busy at work. Having been able to record. Um, and then Sunil hit us up, and I was like, I, I got to jump on. I got to been doing a lot of overtime um, and stuff like that. So Stack that money, baby. Stack that money. <laughs> it's not really it's not really stacking man it's it's you know the, the government likes to take it's more coming money. they show do they show do hence shout out to nick bosa for getting all the monies because the government's taking half for sure yeah, he, he took he took my money <laughs> hey but 49ers i mean there's a lot to talk about real quick before we get into the week two matchup because we gotta lead up to something the 49ers did that leading up pretty darn well in week one you know Based off against the Pittsburgh Steelers, a 30-7 demolishing, really dominated the first half, didn't let much lead up go in the second half. Let's start with Sunil. What did you think about the week one performance and what it means for the 49ers in week two? So when I was watching the game, I was thinking about Marco. I was thinking about Rohan. And the reason why I was thinking about it was I was getting killed by you guys. 
talking about the D-line depth. Y'all were saying, Sunil, the D-line has gotten worse. Sunil, the depth is so bad. I don't see how these people are going to beat anybody off the block the way that they're playing through the preseason. And I was like, yo, hold it, hold up, hold up, hold up. Right, if you don't talk about that, talk about the O-line too, though. We're talking about that. <laughs> hey, let me, let me get my bars off first, Marco, and then you can me. You can come with the rebuttals. But then I was like, I, but I was like, yo, 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 relax, relax. When the big three are playing, all these boys are going to look that much better. And then we saw 49ers had a fat five-sack game. 80% of those sacks came outside of the big three. They were making Drake Jackson look like he's about to be the sack leader in the game. Contavious uh, Street, or was it? Yeah, he got, he, got, um, he got him a sack. I'm just saying, I know that when it's just them on their own, the rotation kind of looks like funny money. But when you add those big three, the D-line was was in there getting all the pressures, all the sacks. So I was thinking about that because y'all were trashing me when I was like, the D-line is going to be good. So I'm going to put a rebuttal out there real quick because, <laughs> one, I just wrote an article. It's um, four minutes in, and we got rebuttal <laughs> number one. Let's do it. So the rebuttal number one is you said Drake Jackson, right? And then you also uh, – so for me, Drake Jackson had a good game. But after I watched it, he really didn't have as good as a game as I thought. Um, three sacks, that's cool. But most of those sacks were effort sacks. Two of them actually were. I rewatched it to, to, to write an article on him to see if that production is sustainable. I don't think it is. I'm not going to say it's, but I'm not, but I'm not going to say it's not because those effort sacks are going to come when you're the fourth guy along the defensive line. So, of course, the fourth guy is going to get his energy sack, right? Now, the rest of the D line. I can't really evaluate because that was probably the worst offensive line I've ever seen play. Like legit, <laughs> like not even, like wow. not even like there was, bro. When have we seen Javon Kinlaw whoop an offensive guard so bad that he literally freezes and thinks it's a screen? Like that's how bad they were. So for me, I'm like, damn. Like I don't know if it's were that good or if the Steelers suck that bad. Um, but I'm excited to see. I'm liking it. We're that good, Marco. Hey. That's what I've been trying to tell you. Hey, I hope we are. I hope we are. But I also told, we also told you that our own line was in a struggle. And you said Colton McKivitz is elite. You said Colton McKivitz. You said Hold Colton. up. Elite. Yo, nobody ever said elite. Don't put words in my mouth. <laughs> I, I said Colton McKivitz is the first ballot Hall of Famer. Nobody Don't said lie. that kind Don't of lie. stuff, Marco. Don't lie. But also, if you're going to sit there and re-look at tape, look, is Colton McKivitz going to have to go alongside TJ Watt? Down after down after down with no help. I personally think, look, Cole McKivitz obviously didn't look good, but name me a right tackle that looks good going up against TJ Watt. So to me, I, I'm looking at the D-line. I'm saying they're for real. I'm looking at Cole McKivitz, and I'm saying yet to be determined because I don't think anybody really looks good lining up against TJ Watt game after game. Now we get to see the, the, the quality of – defensive lineman he's going to face against the Rams is not TJ Watt. If he's still getting pushed around, the, the guys coming off of the right side or, you know, getting sacks and uh, getting to Brock Purdy, you know, next week I'll take my L when it comes to Colton McKivitz. But I do expect McKivitz to have a much better game when he's not playing one of the top three uh, defensive ends in the league, man. Bro, Sunil just hit me with the hashtag fits my narrative. <laughs> Rohan, we we hogging the, the mic right now. You tell us what you thought about week one. You see, this is why I come on this show. I just want to hear <laughs> the nice back and forth. And here's what I'll say. Because I do think that what the two debates you guys are talking about are two different debates. One is 
how are the 49ers expected to perform in terms of, you know, expectations? And is it good enough for them? The second debate is, is it good enough for them to win a Super Bowl? And I think that that's the two different lines that we are crossing. In week one, the 49ers defensive line looked good. The reason it looked good was because of their star, three-star players. And predominantly, really, they're two interior guys. Arc Arms had had a hell of a game. Um, it, it won't show up for, for anything. But you, you, you look at it. You want to look at uh, you know mm-hmm. flash plays and things like that. Drake Jackson's first sack was because of Ark Armstead. He yep. he comes in, he forces Kenny Pickett out of the pocket. Drake Jackson's able to use his athleticism to um, you know get to Kenny Pickett as he's flushing out of the pocket for the sack. The interception that Charverius Ward got. Who was in there getting the pressure, not allowing Kenny Pickett to have enough space to make that throw? Well, it was a terrible decision anyway, but. It was Ark Armstead again, you know, rushing that decision from Kenny Pickett, forcing the interception from Charvarius Wharton. Those are just a couple of plays. I thought he did a great job stopping the run. Him, Javon Hargrave, did a great job, you know, clogging up the interior lanes. And this is why um, earlier, back in March, I advocated for a strength of the third defensive lineman, you know, that three-down guy. And I know Sunil and I have done many shows about this topic. Three-down lineman, what it allows for you to do is – You know, you have guys who can play every down, but who can make such an impact like this. Now, when we're if we're talking about the argument that we talked about last week in the depth for the defensive line, I mean, I don't don't think there's much of an argument that they showed too much. I think you know you had one sack, I believe. I forget it It was Kerry Hyder, I believe. But overall, I mean, the defensive line is solid because of the top three guys and. The other guys, while, you know, they can certainly improve, it's not like they had phenomenal games, but the defensive line overall is what matters, and that's they had a really good game. You flip it over to the offensive line, I thought the left side had a good game. I did not think the right side had a good game. We talked about Colton McKivitz. Also thought Spencer Burford struggled in week one. Three penalties, one was on, uh, one uh, was negated, I believe. Um, but, you know, he had a holding penalty. He had a, a crucial false start penalty where the 49ers were really just running out the clock, and Burford false started uh, on, on a, you know, on a fake uh, – on a fake from Brock Purdy and things like that. So, and you want those things to improve. Honestly, I thought McKivitz had a better game than I expected. And it wasn't even that good when I initially watched it, I'll go back and watch it. It wasn't that great. You look at the, uh, you look at the run defense, uh, the run blocking. I thought that was kind of an, also another area of worry. He, he gave up five pressures, three sacks, to TJ Watt, the two forced fumbles, obviously you can make an argument, Brock Purdy, you want to get the ball out there sooner. But the issue to me um, on that right side, which the 49ers right now are just going to have to ride with the solution that they uh, presented themselves with throughout the offseason is you don't know exactly how well you're going to be able to compete down, down the line. But I, I mean, at the moment, I don't really care about that. I'm looking week to week, trying to figure out the matchups and things like that. But the argument for me was down the line, you go into a Super Bowl, who are you facing? You're going to face a TJ Watt-esque player because the top teams usually have top talent. And so that's why, even though, you know, most TJ Watt gets around most players, it's the, uh, you know, the number of times that he's able to do it, the the number of times you're able to hold down TJ Watt. If you can hold him down for 60 plays out of 68 plays, that's a pretty darn good game, you know, that kind of thing. But that's, you know, that's not, uh, that wasn't the case necessarily. And that's, that's the main worry. But right now, the 49ers, I mean, what the one thing that I'm confident in uh, with this group is Kyle Shanahan and his ability to scheme around his offensive linemen. We've seen it time and time again where Shanahan has been able to scheme around the offensive linemen. That's why they've reached NFC Championship games with subpar players in certain positions and things like that. But I, I do think that, you know, there's room, work, definitely room for improvement in, in, on that right side. Oh, oh. I hope that doesn't happen. I really do. But there's room mm-hmm. for improvement on that right side. I'm excited to see, especially through the next 
four-ish weeks before the 49ers play the Cowboys, how that goes. But I do want to flip the switch and ask you guys a question because I'm a research guy. I like to do my research, and I watched glimpses of the Rams game before going back and watching it on film against the Seahawks. And certain alignment that I saw, which was kind of intriguing, go back and the stats corroborate it. Aaron Donald lining up over the tackles. People insinuate Aaron Donald as a defensive tackle, but the Rams in the last few seasons have been incorporating Aaron Donald over the tackle in that three down front, allowing, uh, I believe it's Greg Gaines, to be the nose tackle or somebody else to be the nose tackle, which then preoccupies Aaron Donald sometimes with double teams with the tackle and the guard, but also gets some favorable matchups on the outside. Aaron Donald might be going up against Colton McKivitz in this game. What do you think? Let's start with, uh, we, we went with Sunil first, so we'll start with Marco this time. What do you think about the matchup with Aaron Donald in the 49ers offensive line in week two? Before I get going, I want everyone to, everyone listening, everyone tuned in, uh, make sure you guys subscribe to Sunil Rohan's channel. And then come over to the Clet Gene Sports channel and uh, subscribe. Um, but I, I'm very I like I like what the Rams did there because you're trying to get your best players on the field at one time. Aaron Donald is probably the best defensive player in the league still. Like as much as we want to say Nick Bosa is, like Aaron Donald's up there. So what they're essentially what they're trying to do is just keep their best defensive players on the field, and that means moving Aaron Donald outside a little bit over um, tackles. Um, I think I think it's gonna be an interesting matchup. I think it actually favors Colt McKivitz just a tad bit, and the reason why I think so is because when you watch Colt McKivitz, when T.J. Watt beat him, it was usually because it was a counter or it was because of pure speed off the edge. Um, now Aaron Donald is extremely explosive off the edge. I mean, extremely powerful, but I think allowing Colt McKivitz to go up against a defensive tackle who isn't as long, pause, um, and isn't uh as great with his hands on the outside as CJ Watt. And the reason why I say as great because CJ Watt he he trains outside all day every day. Aaron Donald trains inside for hand movement like that. So you're gonna see a little bit of different uh matchup and I think it should benefit Colt McKivitz, but I still think Aaron Donald's gonna get his. I mean when you look at who Aaron Donald is, he's gonna get his, he's gonna dominate um his matchup majority of the time. So I feel like you're still going to continue to chip off the edge. Um, if you leave Colton McKivitz one-on-one with Aaron Donald, you just got an Brock Purdy just has to understand he doesn't have that kind of um, time and he has to have a faster clock. Um, so I think it's going to be an interesting matchup. I think in the run game is where you're going to see the 49ers struggle running to the right. If he's matched up on Aaron Donald majority of the time, I think that's what's going to be concerning. Cause then if you start only being able to run to the left, Things start getting tricky. Um, you kind of start losing half of your um, side of your offense. But honestly, I'm really not worried about what the defensive line brings from the Los Angeles Rams because if I'm Kyle Shanahan, you scheme around Aaron Donald, you send two at him at all at all times. You send Burford and McKivitz at him. The only issue is, you're right, Burford struggled too. So <laughs> those two going up against Aaron Donald, do they equal one player? I don't know. It's going to be an interesting matchup. But I think it actually benefits the 49ers this week because of Colton McKivitz being more of a power guy than a finesse guy. So I think it's going to be an interesting matchup, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, obviously Aaron Donald is still going to be Aaron Donald. Um, hopefully, you know, McKivitz and, and Burford can channel their inner Daniel Brunskill because we know that they he always has a pretty good uh, day when it comes against um, Aaron Donald. But you know, for me, I, I love it. Like, I want to see these types of matchups because ultimately, 
you know, the 49ers offense is good enough to where their, you know, right tackle and right guard don't need to be amazing. And the team can still put up 30 points and still the offense could look really, really good. So, but ultimately, like to Rohan's point, you know, they need, they do need to be showing progress and getting better, you know, week after week after week. This is Cole McKivitt's first year as a full-time starter. Burford still is a very young player, obviously in his second year. So that's the most, um, I guess you can say, uh, obviously the least experienced side of the, of the offensive line. So I think it's great that they have another challenge in, in Aaron Donald to, to be able to see what he's capable of. And I agree with everything Marco says that the skills and the ability that um, Aaron Donald has, Cole McKivitz does have a better chance against him than he did against TJ Watt. Now, is that saying that I expect Colt McKivitz to dominate Aaron Donald? No, nobody dominates Aaron Donald unless you're Daniel Brunskill. But, uh, but I do think that, you know, we shouldn't see as many pressures. We shouldn't see, you know, three sacks, forced fumbles, all that kind of stuff. They should be able to hold up. And Aaron Donald, like you said, is still going to get his, but it shouldn't be as dominant as what TJ Watt did. And if it is, then, you know, like I said, I'm going to take my L next week. Uh, when when Marco calls me out on the offensive line. But to me, I, I have faith that Cole McKivitz is going to hold up much better. And ultimately, look, the rush, the run with the running game still was able to get off what they needed to get off. The passing game looked good. And they still scored 30 points, even with these issues, and either even with TJ Watt having the type of success that he had. So they're figuring out ways to still score. And um, to me, what was most impressive about last week's game is that first drive, even though it was a short field because the defense was playing awesome, they were able to score. And that's something that uh, score a touchdown, which is something that we haven't seen on a regular basis from the 49ers. They, they tend to struggle scoring in the first quarter, especially on that first drive. And if they could keep, you know, doing that where they're scoring really, really well in the first half, going into the first half with the lead, Oh my God, that defense is going to have that continue that streak of shutting people out in, you know, the second half of games. They did it last week and they did it, you know, pretty much every single game uh, in the last half in that winning streak last year, you know, and they're, they're, they're continuing what they started from last season. So to me, that's the winning, that's the winning um, equation right there. Take a lead into the second half and let your defense eat. To me, I think um, that's something that is sustainable regardless of which players are on that offensive line. Hey, before you go, Rohan, I, I got to pull this up. So earlier, uh, HR was like, everyone's going to be crying by week eight when McKibbins gets pretty hurt. And then we got Sacktown Izzy in the house. It's like, hey, HR, before you leave, make sure you slap yourself. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> A little chat beef. Well, we got they got they're going at it in, in the chat, but Rohan, what's your thoughts on everything? Because I know you're an analytics guy. What is what do the analytics tell us? <laughs> yeah, I mean when you when you look at this kind of equation with the offensive line, right? The 49ers, I mean, we can pull up different different cases in the past where the 49ers have gone by with better talent. And I do want to say before I pull that up, I'm, I'm actually interested. 49er fans for the first time are defending their right tackle. You know, I uh, 
Kyle Shanahan said some words about Colton McKivitz this week. I'll say this, and it's only a very select group of people. Kyle Shanahan said some words about Colton McKivitz this week, saying essentially how you know he he believes he'll improve in week two, not the best week one, he'll improve in week two. So I put that in an article, just a, a regular news article. I think I titled it like "Did the 49ers, you know, uh, I think it was did the 49ers make a mistake at right tackle?" And then it alluded with Kyle Shanahan's words, didn't really give my opinion, and. So many 49er fans in the comments were like, no, no, we did not. We did not. Uh, comparing him to McGlinchey, thinking he's not, you know, uh, not that big of a downgrade from McGlinchey and things like that. Well, I mean, first of all, I admire 49er fans finally, you know, defending a right tackle. Um, but when you when you think about it overall, I do I do I think the 49ers and uh, do I think they're, you know, do I think that they're sound at right tackle? Not necessarily. This has been one of my bigger gripes. This more 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 importantly, you know, the swing tackle position. Um, but I, I do think that it, it I do think you'll you'll see this group improve because Spencer Burford, I mean year two, you expect him to improve with time. Same with same with Colton McKibbitts. I do think you expect them to improve. My biggest question, though, prior to the season, when we're looking, you know, in a full season outlook rather than just week to week, was is that unit going to be good enough and cohesive enough to win a Super Bowl? I don't know if that's the case. And I think that more so time will tell over these first four weeks, because when you look at the opponents that the 49ers face after week two and even in week two, right, Aaron Donald's the true main pass rush threat. Week three, you face the New York Giants. I'm not that confident in many of those pass rushers there. I mean, they've got some young, intriguing talent, but I'm not really that confident in how ready they are. Week four, you got the Arizona Cardinals. Not, you know, th- these are some matchups where you're hoping the offensive line gets some more cohesion and looks better <laughs> than they did in week one. Yeah, looks better than they did in week one because the big rude awakening is going to come in week five when you're facing Micah Parsons. And a pretty stacked defensive line there. I mean, it's not like Michael Parsons is alone. You got Demarcus Lawrence there. You've got Torns, uh, uh, Torns Armstrong. I think it's Terrence Armstrong. Terrence Armstrong. My bad. Yeah. Um, but I mean, he had a uh, Dorrance, Dorrance Armstrong. There we go. He had uh, eight sacks last year. Pretty good guy again. And then, I mean, you got some nice interior guys there too. It's not like that team's any slouch. I think that's the main one that I'm looking at uh, in terms of. What the true wake-up call is for the 49ers, am I sold on the offensive line at the moment, though? No, but I, I do think that there was some – I mean, the left side looked good, and the 49ers have schemed through their offensive line in the past, which is why I said at the beginning of the season, while I don't think this offense – I'm not as high on this offensive line as I was in 2021, where I had the 49ers ranked as a top – or preseason-wise ranked them as a top 12 offensive line, I think this group is hovering around that 12 to 15 range. I think that that's where they're going to even out to – at the end of the year. Yeah, I think they're finishing top 10 again. I mean, I'd it's going to be hard. That. It's going to be hard to do that, though, because as, as much as we, I want the Niners to be top 10, top five at everything, like keeping the replacing Michael Glinchy with Colton McKivitz, Spencer Burford um, taking on a full time role. We also got to realize last year he was splitting the reps with um, Brunskill. So like the was Brunskill helping them enough that we weren't seeing the the poor play? Like, to me, I'm kind of questioning, like, okay, well, what did I see from him? I thought he was a Pro Bowl player. I thought he was going to move to right tackle and be a Pro Bowl level player. Um, I still do. I still do think he is. I think he has the talent to do the, do so. But what I'm looking at things, I'm like, okay, Colton McKivitz was pretty bad, even in the run game. Like, there was plays in the run game, like, there's a big hole that Christian McCaffrey could have hit. But if Colton McKivitz sustains his block, it's a big play. Um, so unfortunately, he didn't. 
But we're going to week two. We go to Levi South. Uh, projected to be 65% 49er fans there, as always. Um, you know, something light. Um, <laughs> what are your guys? Talk to me. What you guys? What you guys see going into Levi South? We'll go to Rohan first since we've been starting it off real quick. I said this earlier this week, and I'm not one ever to really have bold predictions. I don't really mess with score predictions and stuff like that. But I've done them a little more recently, just you know, just for fun, kind of. But I'm pretty confident in the 49ers this week. The word that I used to describe it is dominance. I think the 49ers are going to have a dominant performance. And I was looking, I mean, first of all, odds-wise, I was just looking at the odds for fun, you know, uh, a few days ago. I saw the 49ers as eight-and-a-half-point favorites. You know, that's pretty astounding. And the reason it's astounding is the 49ers are facing a team on the road that they just, that team just beat another team, a division rival, 30-13. to to come into that game as eight and a half point favorites with the over under set not that high at 44 and a half points, that tells you that odds makers and really the world right now believes in the 49ers significantly to where they they think it's going to be a fairly, you know, they're going to think it's a blowout and it won't even be that high scoring of a blowout, meaning they have enough trust in that 49ers defense. But when you look at this matchup on paper, I do have a tough time just seeing overall how the Rams are going to overcome the 49ers. The only thing that I think can beat the 49ers in this game is their own selves. You know, if, if it's some of those offensive drives where they sustain penalty after penalty, uh, commit turnovers, lose the turnover battle in that way, kind of kill themselves by making poor decisions, that's the way that I think the 49ers lose this game. But when you look at them and the Rams on paper, there's a reason that, you know, Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan, it's an 8-1 record in favor of Shanahan with the lone loss coming in the NFC Championship game. You know, even when Matthew Stafford's been in the race, he's been in there since 2021. The 49ers and the the Rams have faced off five times. The 49ers have won all four of the regular season matchups. And the reason is the 49ers outmatched the Rams in several capacities. You you talk about the offensive line, defensive line discrepancy. The 49ers defensive line significantly outmatches the, the Rams offensive line, at least nowadays, especially over the last two years where they've lost Andrew Whitworth. They haven't really sustained much on the offensive line for themselves. It's tough then for Matthew Stafford to hang in the pocket for three, four seconds, deliver the downfield throws that he's accustomed to making. Even if they're difficult, tough window throws, you know, he can make them, but you don't have the chance to do that against a smothering defensive line like the 49ers had. And so if they perform like they do in week one, the Rams, it's going to be tough for them to get down, you know, get chunk plays. And you usually need chunk plays in order to beat the 49ers. I believe my score prediction was 31 to 13. I think one of the scores comes off of a, you know, a, one of those major issues for the 49ers where they give up a big play, a busted play kind of thing. And then that kind of leads to one of the scores. But I, I do think the 49ers dominate in this game offensively. If they execute the way that they did in week one, at least in the first half, I don't find a way that the 49ers lose this one. Yeah, and I agree. And I mean, you know, the Rams obviously have a healthy Matt Stafford, which, you know, obviously is a quarterback that I think is 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 very good and can, can have problems. But who is he throwing to? Right. The player that always, uh, you know, crushes. No disrespect, Puka. I mean, Puka's nice, but is he Cooper Cup? Because Cooper Cup is the player that always, you know, we, we don't have a real solution for. And, you know, in this game, injury is the solution for Cooper Cup because he's not obviously going to be suited and, and playing. Um, you know, they, they obviously have two running backs there that uh, both can get off. But, you know, I think the 49ers with their linebackers showed something as far as, 
you know, how they're going to be, what, what the game plan is in stopping the run. Those linebackers were getting in the backfield very, very quickly. I mean, Fred Warner was a heat seeking missile. It was fun to watch the way that he played uh, against the Steelers. And I think the Steelers actually have a better rushing attack than, than the Rams don't at me, but, um, but yeah, overall I do. The, the reason why I'm so confident in the 49ers pretty much against anybody going through this season is the way that they, the way that they were winning games last year and the way that they started this season winning the game is the same uh, equation. The defense puts the offense in good situations, and then Brock Purdy runs this offense the way that Kyle Shanahan wants him to run it, and it's it's just a, kind of like a work of art. Do I think Brock Purdy is a first ballot Hall of Famer? Not really, but I do think that Brock Purdy is the best quarterback that's been in this system because of his mobility, because he's willing to make the decisions that Kyle Shanahan wants him to make. And that's why this offense is continuously scoring 30 plus points when Brock Purdy, Brock, Brock Purdy is the quarterback because he's elusive, he's more elusive than people give him credit for in the pocket. He, even though, you know, he'll have his few questionable throws, they haven't led to issues. Like he still didn't throw an interception um, last week and he's consistent with at least having at least two touchdowns uh, passing touchdowns per game. So to me, I know it's still a small sample size. We're talking about eight, nine games, but ultimately like eventually it's starting to be more of a trend. Like we, we, people are waiting for him to fall off and he's just not doing it. This offense looks great. The defense looks just as good, if not better than last year. I mean, with all the turnovers that they're able to put. And if that's this, if that's the equation, if the defense is continue to get, you know, two plus turnovers and give the offense short fields with, McCaffrey with Debo with Ayuk playing the way that he's playing you know Kittle didn't even need to do anything last week to me they're beating everybody like there's not anybody that that could sustain that attack especially when they're when the drives are only you know 50 60 yard drives that they need to do to get a touchdown so to me it's that equation that that I'm confident in regardless of who's the opponent on the opposite side Marco what do you think so I think the 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 way the 49ers would could lose this game is if Matthew Stafford gets enough time on a few passes um because we're going to get after that offensive line they have a few rookies starting i believe i believe the a rookie guard uh, Steve Avila um i believe the rest of the group is a sim- similar group as last year besides i believe Tremaine Ingram who's their left guard um, but we're going to get after the quarterback that's something we do as a 49ers defense now what i'm looking at is if you look at what house uh, the Rams attacked Seattle, they had a lot of explosive plays. Um, I believe they had a 44-yarder to Tutu Atwell, um, a 30-yarder to Tyler Higby, um, a 21-yarder to Puka, uh, a 21-yarder to uh, Bryson Hopkins. Um, so, like, they a lot got of explosive plays. A lot of explosive plays. Like to me, that's and tight where, window throws too. I'll say that. Yeah, and absolutely. There were some ropes that that Stafford had. He still has it. Um, but for me, it's if we get beat deep, that's what could become concerning. Because once you start beating a defense deep, then you kind of have to adjust, and you have to, and then it kind of opens up the the entire playbook for an offense. Now, I don't expect us to get beat deep, especially because our secondary has been pretty sound. But we know that. Huff and Gibson could get beat deep. Like we've seen it. Um, Tutu Atwell, he he's a blazer. He runs a four three. 
Um, Nuka, I believe, runs a four or five, but his like his long speed is actually pretty good. Um, so it all just depends on how the 49ers secondary holds up on the back end. If we're giving up explosives, then it could get tricky. I don't think they're going to be able to stop our run. Um, Christian McCaffrey is a very good uh, runner. He knows how to set up blocks. Um, so I'm excited to see that. Their linebacker and core is, is worse than it was last year. Um, their linebackers are Troy Reader and Jay Cummel. Never heard of those guys. Um, they have a killer Witherspoon. I don't think he's playing. Um he just got hurt. So, like, their secondary is kind of like, it's honestly an interesting team. But you're going on the road. It's a divisional matchup. Are like, they, though? I mean, technically, you're, you're, they're not. Yeah. Myself. <laughs> it's a great, great 65% point. 65% of tickets being sold to 49er and, fans. And, Marco, I want to I ask you this. Um, because, to me, everything you're pointing to is the 49ers have a great opportunity to make this team very one-dimensional. Absolutely. Because, because they're going to have a lead. I, I, I feel that they're going to have a lead because this, their defense is going to have struggle um, stopping the 49er offense. So tell me, because it is going to end up being Matt Stafford's hands, I, I think they're going to, at one point, just forget about the run game and really just keep it in the hands of Matthew Stafford. Do you feel that Matthew Stafford like, has enough horses to where even, you know, what we saw against Seattle. Seattle clearly isn't the same defense. They don't have the same linebacking core that the 49ers have that could drop into coverage and kind of close out that middle where I felt like some of those bigger plays were happening. Um, wasn't really they were beating people over the top. It was kind of like those crosses down the middle and um, and then uh, end up like yakking their way into more yards. Do you feel like that Matt Stafford will be able to get that off with the way the 49ers play defense? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think Matthew Stafford is, an, is, is a high-level quarterback still. So he could beat you in multiple ways. They're going to stick with the run, in my opinion. I, I really think if you look at what they did against Seattle, they didn't care if they couldn't run the ball. They ran the ball for 2.3 yards, and they still ran the ball 40 times because what? It allows you to go off the play action. It allows you to do uh, a bunch of different things. Hey, I'm going to take this call real quick. Oh, that was real life. <laughs> oh, I was thinking he was joking too, but I'll I'll elaborate on what Marco is saying because mm -hmm. when you you know when when you set up the run, it's it's Forty it, Nine er fans. It's a very similar scheme that Cal Shanahan is very familiar with. You set up the run, and then or you set up the play action with the run. That's uh, that's usually how the play action work in this offense. The number one thing, Matthew Stafford showed that they could make explosive plays regardless of who was at receiver for the for 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 the Los Angeles Rams in week one. The number one thing is getting the time to do so. And also when you look at the talent discrepancy with the Seahawks defense compared to the 49ers defense, I think that's another major thing. In that when you talk about um the Seahawks defense, right? They they stopped the run to an accord. Uh Kyron Williams had a good game, but Cam Akers only 29 yards on 22 carries. And the, the Rams were able to, you know, dice him up in the air. 334 passing yards for Matthew Stafford, uh, a, a number of big plays. I just don't think that success comes as much against the 49ers here, even with, right. you know, questions around that third cornerback and whoever that might be. Uh, and overall with this defense, you've seen how they've been able to stop the run before. And I think On top of that, I think that – yeah, go ahead. Well, I was thinking more importantly, like, we have to also – give credit to how that game played out. Seattle couldn't stay on the field, their offense. So the, the Rams were getting a lot of opportunities 
on offense because Seattle was going a lot of three and out. So to, to Marco's point, our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You jumped in right at the right uh, moment, man. Hope everything's good with the call. But um, the reason why the Rams didn't have to abandon the run was because Seattle couldn't score, right? So they never got into a situation where they were really trying to catch up because they were in the lead or the the Seattle offense was just anemic, right? That's not going to be the case with the 49ers. The 49ers are, are... are going to be able to march down the field, are going to be able to score points. So to me, it's going to make the Rams very one-dimensional. Are they going to be able to have the same success when every single down has to be a passing down because they're, you know, they, they, they got into such a deep hole to me, that's where I think this game is going to be much different than where um, they were with Seattle. I I would disagree though, because as an offensive coordinator, uh, Sean McVay, he, as an offensive, when you're seeing that you're not running the ball and it's not successful at all throughout the, even if you're up, you want to go to like the power. You want to just go to the pass. Like you're literally wasting plays at that point. They were so efficient on third down. I believe they were uh, 11 for 17, like in like the 65 percent range. Like that's really efficient. So like looking at um, what they did, I think even if they're if, even if they're um, down seven, I think Sean McVay is going to run the ball. Why? Because it allows you to keep the game close. Even if, because what it does is essentially it it kills the game. You, you make it a, a, a fast, quick game. Um, and that actually benefits Seattle in the sense of, hey, one play goes our way, we could flip that game. You know what I mean? So I think they're going to stick to the run, even if they're only averaging two yards a pop. I think that's something that Sean McVay plans on doing throughout the entirety of the year because he knows he doesn't have the weapons. He knows he doesn't have the defense. And it allows your defense to get off the field. They're fresher legs. So it allows you to... to to be more successful as an offense, as a team. So I think you're right. We are going to put up points. But if we score a quick touchdown, we have a five-minute drive, and they kill four or five minutes too, even if they're only moving the ball and they they get 30 yards, they killed so much time in that process that they could allow, they could buy themselves time to stick in this game. I think it's going to be a, I don't think it's going to be a blowout, blowout. Like a lot of people, people are saying like 30, 
35-10. Uh, I don't think it's going to be like that. It's a, it's a division game. Division games are usually lower-scoring games, harder-fought games. Um, I think it's going to be a fun matchup. I think it's going to be a Aaron Donald who? Like, we're literally we're going to be making fun of Aaron Donald because, you know, it, it's fun to do. Um, <laughs> but for everyone that is tuned in, uh, I had to take that call because it was actually Bobby Curran from ESPN Hawaii. I'll be on uh, ESPN radio for uh, next Thursday, so 9, nice. 9 16 Pacific Standard Time. So hey, usually when he calls, I usually answer that. So my bad. He's just big time in us right now. But um, I, I also I think this game is going to be really important, Rohan, because you know I think going into this season, we thought that the NFC West might be um, a little bit more competitive because we thought Seattle had taken a leap forward. We felt like with the Rams getting Matthew Stafford back, they're going to take a step forward. Um, obviously we, we know that um, Arizona is, you know, trying to tank for Caleb. So, uh, but I think that them going six and oh, like they did last season in the NFC West, nobody thought that that was possible. They thought maybe like four and two, um, five and one, maybe split with Seattle, but with the way Seattle looked against the Rams, if they come out and they just smash the Rams, there's another there. This they could really go six and zero again and really have a great shot at not only dominating the NFC West but also at that number one spot, right for the NFC altogether. Because you know the Eagles and and Dallas are going to be be you know beating the, each other up in that division and. uh you know, everybody else, there there aren't that many teams that are really showing that they're in that echelon of right now 49ers in Dallas. So I think this is – the 49ers are going in – I know it is a divisional game, but even more, like, put a stamp. The Rams are the team that looks the looks better than Seattle. If they go out and smash, Seattle, uh, smash the Rams, maybe they shut down this NFC West real early where teams just know that they're not going to be able – to compete with the Niners. No, no I, I think you're right. I think we're going to own the NFC West. I think the NFC West goes through the 49ers, but then you also got to look at the number one seed. We play a lot of great teams this year. We play Joe Burrow and the Bengals, uh, the Baltimore Ravens. Um, we already whipped on the Steelers in that division. And then you go into the other, other divisions. We play Dallas. We play the Giants. We play Eagles. There's at least four or five teams right there that are, that are pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they might not be in the echelon of the 49ers and, and Dallas, but those are some teams. So every game you can, you got to put your your foot on the neck and, and choke out the opponent. So this is a game that is a must win for a game for the 49ers. If you drop this game, you do not win the number one seed in the NFC, and it's that that clear. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think it's easily if you drop this kind of game, whether it's to the Arizona Cardinals or, Seattle, or the Los Angeles Rams, teams that have no business competing with you, you you do not win the number one seed in the NFC. So this is a must win for the 49ers, and I think they're going to dominate this game. Um, I think they're, they're going to put the game away early. Um, I think they'll, they'll win by 10 due to fourth quarter stuff. I think the 49ers will eventually sub guys in. And what this is going to allow. Yes, Steve, the reason why I say must win is because it's, if you lose any of these key matchups in the NFC West to teams that aren't good, like the, the Arizona Cardinals or the Los Angeles Rams, you do not get the number one seed. Any loss that is one of those ones that you should have guaranteed one, you do not win the number one seed. And I, you can laugh at the must win. But if you're falling to teams that you should you should beat, there's an issue. Which sometimes the 49ers do early in the season. Um, and and uh, Rohan, I want to ask you this before because I know we got to wrap, wrap it up here pretty quickly. But 
even though, you know, you're pretty confident that this is going to be a major win for the 49ers. And I think most people obviously feel that way, but what do you still want to learn from this game from the 49ers? What do you still want to see um, as far as progression for this team to give you that confidence? Because you seem not as sold yet that this is a Super Bowl caliber team. This team's going to win the Super Bowl. What I know a lot of sentiment is already there that they've shown enough. What do you need to see to to flip that to where you're more confident that this team can ultimately compete for a Super Bowl? I was hoping you wouldn't ask that because now <laughs> we get into a little bit of the negative territory. territory and this is where the flame, you know, the – the negativity usually comes from not only myself a little bit, but from people listening. Honestly, if I'm being totally honest, it still comes from this like my 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 hesitancy with the uh, with with the group still comes from the same area, and it's quarterback. It's you know uh, right side of the offensive line. It's it's areas like that where you where you look at the teams. Or where you look at the team, how they match up against true contenders, and you still have worries. And personally, I, I I am still worried a little bit about our quarterback position. Now, do I think Brock Purdy has improved a little bit? I thought his first half was honestly one. If I thought it was the best first half he'd had, I've ever seen him career. play. That was that was one of the best first halves I've ever seen Brock Purdy play. Um, the reason being, I mean, it's not just it's not just you know completing passes, getting it on target, getting it to his receivers, uh, trusting his receivers downfield. It's not just all of that. The eye manipulation it it shows he's ahead of where he should be in his game because he's able to move safeties, something a veteran could not do. He's able to move safeties to create throwing lights. That's why last year, one of the things that impressed me about Brock Purdy that I thought could definitely get there and cement his status as a, a better quarterback than he was last year was his understanding of his limitations. Brock Purdy knows his arm strength. Brock Purdy knows how what who he is as a quarterback. And so he plays in a way that, you know, that maximizes his talent, that is utilizing things like eye manipulation, trusting himself so much that he can throw with anticipation to receivers, things like that. And that's what I think is an improvement. But if you look at Super Bowl quarterbacks, unfortunately, I just don't believe that Brock Purdy is in that category. And I think that that is truly going to be the number one thing that 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 hurts the 49ers in winning a Super Bowl. I'm not saying making a Super Bowl. I'm not even saying, you know, making an NFC championship. I'm not saying any of that. The 49ers could very well do that. I just don't know if they're going to have enough to get it entirely done with their quarterback play. I've mentioned it a lot of times before. You look at, uh, you know, the the whole point of this 49ers philosophy, be it with Trey Lance or Brock Purdy, getting a rookie quarterback, cement, uh, cementing a strong team around a rookie quarterback. Well, that's all good. And it's proven in the last six years that, you know, one one guy on a rookie quarterback has made it to each of the last six Super Bowls. However, when you look at each of those uh, each of those quarterbacks, they're damn good quarterbacks. It's not like they're bad quarterbacks. They are like they're pretty. They're top ten, at least top ten quarterbacks in every year, including you know Carson Wentz during his ACL tear year, including Jared Goff in twenty eighteen. These were top ten quarterbacks, and I just don't know if Brock Purdy is going to reach that you know reach that lane this year um, for me to be able to be comfortable. It's unfortunate. That's still my thoughts, despite the strong, strong week one. And like I said, it was probably the best half of his career. You, I'm I'm glad you asked Rohan that before you asked. I got to answer that <laughs> because I always come off as the negative one. Um, you still some, are. 
He still I, did. The thing is, though, I thought Brock <laughs> played really damn well as the first half. Second half, I thought they didn't really need to rely on Brock as much. I felt like you know, that was one of those ones where, was, hey, let's run the ball out the rest of this game. We kind of got this put away. Um, but when you look at how great Brock played, right, in the first half, right, and he played really damn well. Um, but when you when you take a back seat and you take a look at the entirety of the game, you're gonna score a lot of points when you're getting the ball at the 45 yard line. Let's be real. Like I'm not like I, we're, I'm trying to keep it as 100 100 percent. Like be real with everyone on what I see. The statistic there's a statistic. You guys can go out there and Google it. There's a statistic based off of off of a touchdown on any point of the field where you're gonna score. Um, and when you get the ball at the 45 yard like your own 45 yard line majority of the game that percent is around 50 50 plus like it's super high like you really don't have to do much to score touchdowns you don't have to do much to get a field goal range like realistically you should be scoring every damn drive when your your starting position is at the 45 yard line and and to me that's a testament to the 49ers defense like that is just saying like the defense is so damn good they're getting you the ball at the 45 yard line every single every single drive and to me I, I want to see. I'm not saying like I'm not saying Brock can't do anything. I'm not saying that. But what I want to see is the 49ers have to drive from the five yard line. I want to see the 49ers have to go from the ten, their own ten, um, and and go into the opposing territory. I want to see those kind of like those are what I want to see. I, I love the way he he maneuvered his with his eye movement, holding linebackers just enough, um, understanding he needs to throw with anticipation. Those are a lot of great quality things that I saw from Brock. That I'm like, okay, well, that was pretty damn good. But then you also could go back and say, hey, Brock, you got to realize you you, you got to move up in this pocket. You got to move. He had a couple of great pocket pocket awareness plays where Mika Fitzpatrick's coming off the edge and he knew it. Baited him into acting like he was going to go forward. Spin move out to the left. Beautiful throw to Debo Samuel. So we saw a lot of high-level throws and high-level play from Brock Purdy. But we also saw some inaccurate where he got bowed out by some of his receivers. I mean, I'm just just saying what I saw. I th- I'm not saying, oh, Brock isn't good enough or anything, just from what I saw. But I'm very curious on on what you saw, Sunil. Yeah, and I mean, I don't think anything you guys said are inaccurate other than, you know, the fact that, hey, Brock Purdy still is able to look great with what is in front of him, mm-hmm. right? You're only, you only could play with the cards that are dealt. And sometimes I think, you know, the defense is that good where he's always getting short fields. But look, We've had a defense this good with short fields that weren't putting up 30 points every single game. There's a difference with Brock Purdy there where this offense is a lot more efficient when he is the quarterback to me. So to me, I think that is a testament to um, Purdy. But but what I saw from Brock Purdy was somebody who elevated his game, was somebody who did do some things that we haven't seen quarterbacks be able to do. I mean, that ball that he threw to – Ayuk in the the corner. It wasn't really a fade, but like back shoulder. Throw. That wasn't a good back shoulder throw. Well, if we're being I'm, honest, it's the way. It, it, like, I, it I know was, what you're saying, but I want to after, after you, I want to answer something. Sure, but what I'm saying is like it was it was it was a ball that was either going to be um, caught by Ayuk or it wasn't going to lead to anything because he threw it when the the um, defender wasn't even looking. Right. So to me that. To me, that that's throws that he wasn't doing last season that he's at least attempting this year, which I think is his confidence. And, and eventually that's going to lead to bigger and better plays because he's not being as timid. 
he's get he's gotten those wings to kind of be a little bit more free as well. So to me, I just think that week after week, he's also a second year quarterback. We're we're seeing progression in him as well. Does that mean he's going to be perfect every single game? No, he's yeah. still going to be a, a second a second year quarterback and make little mistakes. But I do think that. Mm-hmm. the elevation of his game and 17 games in all the things that we were that a lot of people were saying about Trey Lance hey give him 17 weeks as a starter and by the end of the season he's gonna be the guy that could take you all the way I think that Brock Purdy's shown enough to me that I could give him that same benefit of the doubt whatever limitations he have I don't think it's limiting factor that he can't be a Super Bowl winning quarterback as long as that progression continues to happen week after week yeah, and so I don't want this to come off as I'm nitpicking or anything like that, but the ball was in the air. Patrick Peterson turned his head. He turned it so so when I'm watching this, I'm like, oh shit, it's either gonna be a broken up pass or if Patrick Peterson is strong enough, he could get his hands on the ball. Ball he turned his head so they were they're running side to side, and then as Patrick Peterson realized, oh shit, we're side to side, back shoulders come in. Starts looking for the back shoulder. It ends up right in between them. A back shoulder is supposed to literally be, for example, if I'm running a route on your back shoulder, so you're flipping your hips and you're catching it away from you. That wasn't, it wasn't that great of a back shoulder. I think he was more trying to throw a 50-50 ball. I don't know. That's me assuming, but a back shoulder is a back shoulder. So if you're running your route, the way Ayuk was running straight, the ball should be placed on his right shoulder. It was placed on his left. It was more inside. Now that is... Territory for anyone's ball. Now, Brandon Ayuk is just a stud out muscled Patrick Peterson. Don't hey, do me a favor, Patrick P. Don't ever come at Kyle Shanahan's offense that has tails stepping the wrong way. I mean, you do that, <laughs> Kyle's gonna come after you. Yeah. And that's exactly what Kyle and Brock did. So for me But I mean, I you know, Brock Purdy right now does have the weapons where he could not be perfectly on target. But what I'm what I'm what I'm seeing is you mentioned that what he came out this this week or this last week was much better than anything you saw last season, right? The first half. I don't think the second half was. First half. But overall, the whole game was a better game than he's put together from mm. previous scenes. I mean, I would just me, say, for me, because I know I know I because you know you're, you're going off a comment I said first yeah. first half. I thought it was the best I've ever seen him. I wouldn't say that about the second half. I'm going off of the first half. Sure, but second half, he didn't get that many opportunities, he said, either. So it's not like he had a whole game to be able to do it. But what I'm saying is the progress is there, is all I'm saying. Mm -hmm. The whole point is I think that sometimes people don't treat him like he's a second-year quarterback because of all of the drama around Trey Lance and all that kind of stuff. He's still a second-year quarterback that obviously took a team to the NFC Championship. He has two uh, two playoff wins under his belt. He's been able to rise to the occasion on every single game that he started that he didn't end up like losing a uh, elbow in. So to me, I think you give him the benefit of the doubt that we're seeing that not only is this team winning, it's not like they're squeaking by with him at, at, at the helm. And I do see progress in him. So to me, I know that he doesn't have the Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, you know, Joe Burrow type, you know, offense as far as arm and all that kind of stuff but he still has some elite qualities that i still think can lead this team to winning the super bowl so i think that's just where we differ is like uh, i know rohan just mentioned it I, I feel like you're probably in that same camp you don't think he's a super bowl caliber quarterback like he could win a super bowl i think in this circumstance and what he's shown he can 
And he, ultimately, he's going to have to evolve into a quarterback that doesn't have just a stacked roster and be able to still win. That's yet to be seen. But at least with this roster, I do think he's good enough for this team to win. And I actually disagree with, with Rohan on that, though, because when you're running an offense how he's running it, like we saw Nick Foles win a damn Super Bowl. So it's like mm-hmm. I don't like to say I don't a player can't do anything. Now, I don't think he's going to will you, like carry you to right. a Super Bowl. Like He's, he's not, not gonna, Mahomes. He's, he's not, not Mahomes. Gonna, I, don't, I don't even like to compare him to Mahomes because like that's the best of the best. Now, what the reason why I evaluate Brock Purdy how I do is because of the fans. The fans put him up there with top quarterbacks. Yeah. If you go to, like, for example, I know a lot of people don't really care for Grant. I think Grant's a great guy. I love Grant. Um, if you look at the, the, the polls he put out, people were saying he's better than Jalen Hurts, better than Joe Burrow. Like, I don't know if you could take those seriously. I think people be trolling. But if you're gonna troll and you, those are those are legit, like if you're gonna like legit questions, and people even do they'll they'll tweet about it. Oh, he's better than Mahomes. His since he's been a starter, his statistics have been better than. So it's like okay, if we're gonna if we're gonna compare him to these guys, let's evaluate them like these guys. You know what I mean? Like that's how I'm looking. Like okay, you want to compare them, then then let's do it. Like and I think that's a disadvantage to Brock, and I think that it's jacked up how fans have done that. Um, but going into the game. What are you most excited to be about see week two 49ers versus the Los Angeles Rams? I just want to see the same competitiveness that I saw this team with. You know, I think that both sides of the ball, I, there's a belief I feel in the locker room that this is the year, that this can be the year. Like this team is good enough to win. And I, I want to see that continue to go because I, I kind of mentioned, especially in the first half of the season, the 49ers tend to play down to the the level of their their opponents, right? And so this is a game where they're significantly better, right? Rohan said they're a favorite eight points, but that's on the road. Usually the home team gets plus three. So that means in actuality, they're favored plus 11 in this game. That's two scores, right? So that is huge. We want to see them dominate in that level because to me, that's going to be the team that, can win a Super Bowl because they have the ability. They're not outmatched in any matchup this year, right? Even against their their tougher competition, they're not going to be out-talented by any roster that they ever face. I would say that there's teams that are close to them, or like neck-to-neck, neck-to-neck or whatever. I'm not saying they're going to be better. I'm saying they're never going to be outmatched where they're playing a team that has way more talent than them. So it's always going to be about execution. So I want to see them just go out here, execute, and dominate a team that they should dominate so that when it gets to – that's all I want to learn from them. Hey, keep executing. Make sure the game plan. Put together four good quarters of play. Score in the first half. Like These are the things I want to see because that's going to translate to when the competition is tougher and that margin of error is much smaller. You have to play – close to relatively perfect to be able to win those games consistently. And you build off of these easy games to that point. And I, and I, and I think to what you're saying too, like, I agree. I think the Cowboys and Eagles rosters are pretty stacked. Like if you look at them, but the Eagles are getting hurt. Uh, Dallas is stacked. Mm-hmm. Um, their defense is ridiculous. Um, shout out to my guy, Deron Bland uh, from Modesto. Grew up with them, went to middle school with them. A nice. great guy. Uh, shout out to him doing things on Sunday Night Football. I see you, man. Um, but watching what every, te- every team has, to me, like the biggest concern, and like you were saying, like what I want to see is 
I want to see Brock put in tough situations because the reason why I'm skeptical and I'm holding out, like, I guess, uh, uh, labeling Brock Purdy as like the top 10, top 15 guy or like the, the quarterback for us and going in the future is, bro, Jimmy G looked damn freaking good. Like, even going into 2019 season, 2019 season, I know people were like, oh, Jimmy G wasn't good that year. When you throw 20 something touchdowns, almost 3,000 yards, uh, 4,000 yards, you take the team to the Super Bowl, like, he looked like he looked the part. Now, he wasn't throwing deep. He wasn't doing all the crazy things that the elite quarterbacks were doing. But he was doing exactly what Brock was doing in the sense of winning games, running an efficient offense. Now, he threw a stupid boneheaded turnover every once in a while. But, hey, we can say the same thing about Brock. He's been, he put the ball in harm's way on Sunday. And to me, I want to see him do less of that. Um, Patrick Peterson dropped an interception. I'm on him over the middle to George Kittle. So for me, I want to see him put be put in tough situations where he has to uh, whether bow the defense, uh, a defense out, um, carry the offense, where it's just literally him lighting it up um, to where I'm like, okay, we have him. Like, because he averages on, on average right now, he's averaging 220 yards a game. I think this is the game where he could come out and he could just light it up. Um, and I think that's what I'm excited to see. Um, and I think this is the biggest thing, like, like Kid Lowe does say, shout out to Kid Lowe. Jimmy was really solid. His price was just too high. Brock is better simply because of the price, in my opinion. And I think that is a great point to put um, when you look at the 49ers offense. Um, oh, hey, today's just a damn good day. My, my <laughs> So I'm taking my, my cousins to watch Stanford, and we um, entered a raffle to take the kids onto the football field, to the 50-yard line. I had my fiance hit the retweet button. I hit the retweet button. Um, we actually won tickets, so I'm taking my little cousins onto wow, the 50 yard line. That's awesome, man. Yeah, that's good, cool. news, good news Friday for for Marco. Hey, I love that. So but me, but to kind of to kind of go go off of your point and maybe um, you know uh, sum it up a little bit. To me, I agree with you. You know, we just want to continue to see the, this team look like a Super Bowl caliber team. Um, with Brock Purdy, I will push back a little bit. I think that, you know, him and Jimmy get put in the same category because, um, the teams kind of felt like they were, the teams were winning in spite of these quarterbacks, but I don't think Brock Purdy should get that label quite yet. Right. Because he's actually doing things to make this team win where, and I don't, I mean, just from the eye test, I'm not breaking down the all 22s and all that kind of stuff. But this offense looks way more exciting when Brock Purdy is quarterback than any time that Jimmy G was quarterback. Um, even though Jimmy G had that 2019 run where they went, you know, to the Super Bowl, I don't ever remember the offense looking this explosive and 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 this dominant. And I think you got to give some credit to Brock Purdy, but. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of weapons on this offense, too. So I get why there is hesitation, because I guess just the easy, easy thing is any quarterback that's capable with the team around them and the play caller that he has is going to look this good. But I, I also think that's a little too harsh on Brock Purdy, because ultimately he is the quarterback in this situation and he's doing exactly what we, we need him to do to look this good. So I think he deserves yeah, yeah. credit there. No, absolutely. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to discredit. And there's a thing that's hard about talking the situation because, like, I want to use the entirety of everything, right? Like, that's just kind of how I am. Mm -hmm. And when I'm using the entirety of everything, I think it gets 
lost where it's like, oh, he's come, Mark was coming off as as being negative. When realistically, I think Brock's done a phenomenal job. Like realistically, I really have. But I'm I'm holding off my like labeling him as that guy sure. because of what I because I've I've seen it because people me. are already so quick to do it, right? Well, and like, that's like, that's, that's me, the bigger like, what, point. What bothers me too is like, and this is more so going on a rant, not even talking about the the the, the game, which we'll get back to right now. Mm-hmm. One last question after that. Um, but it's like putting Brock Purdy in pictures with Joe Montana and Steve Young and like the next goat is here. I'm like, don't, why we did that. You guys are calling, everyone was calling in Jimmy Jesus at one point. Like, <laughs> let's not know. Let's, let's pump the brakes. Let's let him have a, a full season. And then we'll start calling him whatever the hell you guys want to call him. Brock, the goat, goat Purdy. But if you guys want, whatever, I'll call him. Whatever. Like to me, that's what's concerning. But I have to ask you, Sunil week two, we always beat up on the Rams. Talk to me. What's your score prediction? Why do the 49ers win this game by big? Talk to me. So, yeah, I have it 33-10, a dominant victory. I think it's going to be same. The reason why the 49ers win is because the same equation that they've been winning since Brock Purdy's been the quarterback. The defense is going to get turnovers, make life difficult for Matthew Stafford. We know Matthew Stafford is one to throw, you know, multiple picks. I think we're going to see a multiple pick game with the way the secondary and linebacking core are being disruptive. I, I believe Nick Bosa is going to have a big game because I don't think he wants to, he, he wants somebody else to be leading him in sacks on the team. Um, even though I think he's happy for Drake Jackson, no way he wants to be three owed by J- Drake Jackson. So I expect him to go out and eat um, as well. And I just think that T T T M W, bro. Too many weapons, right? Brandon Ayuk. You can't guard Brandon Ayuk, Debo, Kittle, CMC. I think Ray Ray is gonna get some opportunities this game because of that that crate that like amazing effort he he did on um, the CMC touchdown. I think that Kyle Shanahan is gonna force feed him the ball because he deserves it after that type of hustle as well. So to me, I just think that. The Rams are completely outmatched. I think that the 49ers, especially because of all the chaos this offseason, are extremely focused. I think Kyle Shanahan has done a phenomenal job getting these guys ready. This is the most prepared we've seen a 49er team under the Kyle Shanahan regime. So I think there's just a lot of things pointing in a positive direction, uh, Marco. And I don't think the Rams are good enough to derail um, you know, what's going on. So I expect a very solid victory. And I actually think this game is over early. Like by halftime, we're already feeling comfortable that this game is done. Uh, I think the score is going to end up being 28-14. Um, I think it's going to be the Rams are going to get uh, two touchdowns. Uh, Matthew Stafford is good enough to get spot himself 14 points. When you look at the 49ers, I think they're going to dominate the game um, in the trenches. I think uh, Kyle Shanahan is going to come out there, run the ball a lot. Um, I think he's going to continue the, the recipe for success. Run the ball, play action with Brock Purdy. Brock, he, you literally know where you want to go with the ball. Um, it allows you to to allow Brock Purdy to throw with anticipation, do those extra stuff that he does well. Um, the moment you start dropping him back as a pure passer is the moment you might see those deficiencies of Brock Purdy. So I think Kyle's going to keep him in um, a successful position um, I think the 49ers are going to come out with the purpose. And then, I don't, I know you, you mentioned Kyle Shanahan, but I'm going to go a little bit further. I think the players are, are why they're ready. Um, you heard Fred Warner come out and say, uh, yes, we took it upon ourselves to understand that we got to start faster than we have the first two seasons. And I think that's just the veteran veterans and the captains leading this group. Um, and I wouldn't even say Kyle Shanahan is the one doing that. I think that's the leaders of this team. 
and I think they're going to lead us to a, a, a victory. Um, I'm not too sure on us seeing too many interceptions. Um, I know you, you're 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 going at two. Um, I don't know if, if Stafford throws two. I think he might throw his his one that he usually throws. Um, but I think he's going to try to keep the ball very conservative, especially if it's a closer game. You won't see him try to push the ball down the field. It'll be check downs and take care of the ball. Um, but I have I a question for you. What what do you what streak do you think is most likely to be broken this game? The Brock Purdy two touchdown game or the defense second half shutout uh, streak? I think Brock Purdy's two touchdown game because I think it's going to be. I think you're going to see a heavy dose of. Uh, Christian McCaffrey. I think you should see a heavy dose of Elijah Mitchell and Jordan Mason as well. The 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 purpose should be getting to forty to forty five rushes this game. There's no other. If I'm Kyle Shanahan, I'm saying, hey, I'm sorry, Brock. You threw twenty nine times last time. Let's get you down to twenty two this week. Let's take care of you. There's no reason for him to throw much. Let's take care of that elbow a little bit more. But, hey, that's nothing against you. You you didn't do anything wrong. You're a great quarter. You're you're great at running my offense. We don't need you to score thirty five points. Let's hold off. Week three is a Thursday night game, which is a quick turnaround. Right. Let's hey, let's take care of your elbow. We don't know how it's going to react playing back-to-back games like this. Let's take care of you. Um. So I would see, but the thing is too is he, the Niners come out fucking uh, sorry gun blazing. They could throw two touchdowns hella fast. So like, that's what I think. I think this game is over at halftime. I think this is one of those games where the fourth quarter we see some Sam Darnold action and, and some of the backups because of that Thursday night game. I really believe that actually both of those streaks stay intact. I think that Brock Purdy does get at least two touchdowns. I do think that the 49ers defense, well, maybe not because they're probably not going to play all their starters throughout the whole game. But as long as the starters there, I don't think in the second half they're going to get um, scored on either. I, I think this is going to be a dominant victory and they'll pack it up um in this in the fourth quarter and you know uh want to go out healthy into you know their week three matchup on thursday and and i agree with you i think uh pack it up early uh take your starters out kyle don't play any of the starters that's in the fourth quarter if you're up 20 that pissed me <laughs> off last game christian mccaffrey should not be getting the ball up 20 late in the fourth quarter especially christian mccaffrey um get your starters out dude like I, I don't get it. So hopefully we pack it up early. We get the starters out of the off uh, off the field. Um, and you let everyone else go with it. Um, but I think if back to that question, I think it would be Brock Purdy's uh, two touchdown game because I think you run the ball heavy. You you pick up a lot of yards. Um, I think at some point that's gonna break, and it's it's fine if it does. I mean, it's not an over like you shouldn't overreact if it happens. Like it's it's bound to happen. Either one of those. So don't if you're a Fortnite fan, don't overreact. But if you are watching this. Make sure you subscribe to So Real Sunil's channel. Um, make sure you subscribe to Clutch Gene Sports channel. Um, also, I know Rohan's not here, but you're probably from his channel. Make sure you go to subscribe to Rohan's channel. He was here with us. He had to go handle some business for school. Uh, he is a college, smart, college-educated man. <laughs> Got to get his degree. Um, Sunil, any last comments, c- concerns, anything like that? Nah, man. Just enjoy it. You know, next week I'll be ready and prepared to take any L's that I might have, might need to take. Uh, you know, based off of how the game goes, but I expect big victory. I expect all my predictions to come true, Marco, and I'm gonna be at your throat like always, brother. Hey, well, you better be ready because if Aaron Donald gets not even if Aaron Donald gets one pressure on Cole McGee's, I'm coming for you. All right, you know what I'm saying? If if the 49ers defense doesn't hold up, you know what I'm saying? I'm coming for you, even though I think they're gonna shut him out. I think it's gonna be a 14 point game. Um, 
but it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun game, man. Make sure you guys yeah. enjoy it with family. Make sure you guys enjoy a nice cold drink. Drink responsibly. Uh, enjoy the 49ers and Levi South. Thank you, uh, Sunil, for jumping on. Everyone, peace out. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.